Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with loads in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we tackled the so-called greatest movie ever, TM. So, does anything really stand a chance against it? Well, who better to enter the Clash arena to take on this giant than the cinematic tag team powerhouse of DiCaprio and Scorsese? Do they stand a chance? Let's see if it goes Howard's way as we talk 2004's The Aviator. Ladies and gentlemen, Howard Hughes. I care very much about aviation. (laughs) Fastest man on the planet. He saw the future. I'm not going to believe this. Howard Hughes has bought TWA. Let's build a plane that flies above the weather. Across the country. Across the world. If you do that, you could lose everything. Well, I won't. He lived the dream. Welcome to Hollywood. So, which film in this week's Mogul Melee will be victorious? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, class butters. Men can't be friends with women. They must possess them or leave them be. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Grumpton. I'm Chris Tilly. I want to possess you. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave you be. I'm going to leave you be. Uh, yeah. Men can't be friends with women. That's, that's Kate Blanchett as uh, Catherine Hepburn there. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, is that your, yeah, yeah. That just your Catherine Hepburn impression? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Right. You, you can, she's working hard in this movie. Oh, it's, I, I was like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Oscar didn't. Oscar you, bloody you, loved it. Yeah. You just did a better impression of Catherine Hepburn than Kate Blanchett. <laughs> it shouldn't be about impressions. It's all like, just me, stop, me. stop spoiling my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's, literally oh, all, it's literally all I'm saying. But everybody loved it. I read the reviews. Yeah, like... Def and I sweat. What a fine pair of misfits we are. <laughs> Madness. Uh, it's just, I don't want. I don't want to see the cogs. Uh, just give me, give me, give me something that I can believe in. Yeah. Don't show me work. Don't yeah. show me a rehearsal. Right. Oh, this is part two then of Citizen Kane versus the Aviator. Before. Before we get into that movie, it's time for a dip into the digital mailbag and a review from one of you read by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly. So this comes from MPW121276. Catchy. Who says, best movie podcast. I've listened to this podcast from the start and absolutely love it. It encourages me to watch films I've never seen before and the ones I don't fancy, mostly horrors because I'm a wuss. I feel like I now never have to watch because the discussions are so enlightening. Uh, MPW then says they recognise Alex's voice from the Alan Titchmarsh show (laughs) (laughs) and uh, apparently (laughs) I just shouldn't you don't 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 damn wine on daytime TV it's like a rule Uh, yeah Yeah, don't be invited back on for it hey did you just hear that? Same story. Yeah, the podcast that pairs two movie experts with the guy who dad wine on the Alan Titchmarsh show. Um, and uh, says that they keep uh, messaging, suggesting showgirls versus striptease. Yeah, we've um, had that on the list. Well, we? Yeah, it is. Not 100% on showgirls. We might, uh, sorry, um, striptease. We're definitely doing showgirls at some point, yeah. but we have talked about maybe it might be more fun live. I know, I'm happy, I'm happy to do this now because I live alone. So, uh, <laughs> okay. We can do them. Thank you for sharing. Good do that before (laughs) but now yes let's stick them on the list but thank you for that lovely review and uh, if everyone else literally everyone else listening here could do one of those on iTunes we'd much appreciate it 
do one of what? What? The review, darling. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Apple Podcasts. It's not all about you. No, it's not called that. It's I called iTunes. I was thinking about Showgirls. Yeah, you I could was, see. Look at him. He's like, and then there's that uh, that's bit. Swimming, that's swimming pool scene. That's swimming pool scene. Oh, <laughs> least sexy thing in film history. Is she, is she dying and is she a fish? <laughs> Um, She's having a fit. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't stop. Stop calling it iTunes. We we are literally getting old now. And what is it called? It's called Apple Podcast. I I think that iTunes doesn't exist and hasn't done for a long. I time. I didn't know that. I only just found out stamps are done. <laughs> Did you know about stamps being over? <laughs> No, is he done? Stamps are done in one I'm month. Going to drown. In one month's time, oh God, you cannot post a stamp. <laughs> they, they, they cease. You, You're, sweetie, you do know that it's just queen stamps, queen what? queen stamps, the king stamps. Yes, yeah. Oh wait, so king stamps still exist? Yes. Oh. <laughs> are you okay? Now I was told you need a QR code. Now have you gone completely crazy? Stamps are being replaced with QR codes. I don't think that's true. Okay. It's not inclusive. Oh, nevertheless. I love, I love conversations we have where no one actually knows the truth. Nevertheless. But we're still going to argue it out. I, nevertheless, I've got four queen stamps in my wallet. Yeah, we'll get rid of them. Yeah, I've got one month. Do yeah. you want anything posted to you? Why don't you write us a nice letter? Uh, one of you. Uh, write me a letter about how stamps are done. They're done. They are over. Stamps are gone. No more stamps. How can this not be on the news? There's old people going, what the fuck? They're trying to get this under the radar. Other people, other people no, post stuff. No press what, about this. What, old people? Yeah, I just... I posted a card this week okay well, well do four more of them four more of them and you're laughing aren't you you'll need a qr code in future though <laughs> stamps gone they're done finished right then on monday i was citizen zane uh, still flogging that which means today chris will be taking us all the way through the aviator to howard's end <laughs> Oh, that's spot, another one of my jokes. Oh. Thank you. When he's got his bum out. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, Chris takes on the journey. Uh, when actors play real-life characters, they normally say that they aren't doing an impression. They're trying to get inside the person's head to capture their very essence. The cast of The Aviator said, fuck that, we're doing impressions. <laughs> Think Alistair McGowan, but broader. <laughs> so Leonardo DiCaprio goes large as Howard Hughes in his glory years, making blockbuster movies on the ground, breaking multiple... Uh, that's wrong word. Uh, records in the air and bedding some of the most beautiful women on the planet. While Kate Blanchett goes even bigger as Kate Hepburn, mugging to within an inch of her life and winning an Academy Award in the process. <laughs> that's all I got for your podcasting pleasure. We're taking flight with the Aviator. Lovely. Lovely. So when did you first see this film, Vicky? This is a first watch. So okay. The, yeah. So it's a bit of a weird. St- Shall I tell this story? Yep. Oh, fine. It's a bit, a bit of a done. Is it about stamps? No, it's not about stamps. So the, it was a bit triggering because uh, when Mark was having chemotherapy, he went a bit mad. And so once he woke up and he was one of the side effects of one of the various medications he was on was he went a bit mad. And so I once woke up. I don't think they're allowed to call it that anymore. No. One of the side effects is madness. The, one of them was psychosis. Like, okay. like uh, For real. So our old flat, we the bedroom, it was really small. And if I woke up in bed and the door was open, you could see the TV. And so I woke up one night like where is he are you all right and it's just him watching the aviator at a very sad moment and i was like this is obviously not what you need so let's come away now come away from the telly and let's not do that and so i was like i don't want to watch that film so i did watch it and i watched it with mark it's like such a long time ago like we're all very much over that but it was like that's a that was lodged in my brain i'll be honest i think rather than ask us if you should tell that story you should ask mark yeah but he'll never know so no, you're right you're right we, he's done himself in by not listening to us <laughs> He'll never yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, out of principle, weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did we ever do to you? That's such a valid point. Oh, no, I like films, but I'm not listening not, to that. On, on principle. <laughs> but what principle? <laughs> yeah, uh, if, you, if you lived with Vicky, you might not listen to the podcast. Do I want more? Yeah, I've got plenty, thank yeah. you. Do I want to fill the, the moments that she's not here yeah. with her being here? Which is like all day. He has all day. She, she's lying in bed next to me, and I'm 
I'm listening to her voice <laughs> in my ears <laughs> and live <laughs> simultaneously. Uh, right, I'll jump in. First watch, never seen it. Re- weirdly, it was the. I remember it coming out. I remember the Oscar nominations, and I was like, it was sort of that thing where you're like, well, of course, it's Scorsese, it's DiCaprio, of course, Oscar nominations. Doesn't mean it's good. I watched uh, Hugo, so I'm aware. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I just it just never really appealed. The trailer never appealed, and, and actually watching it, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, largely because it's a little bit insane. <laughs> what a pair of misfits they are! Well, I watched this when I came out because I thought it was the law you had to watch the new Scorsese film mm. until Silence came out. I thought that's just what we all did. Oh yeah, the, that's the Andrew Garfield Monk one. Yeah, I have got round to watching it. Oh okay, wish I hadn't bothered. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the making of the film. So um, there always seems to have been a Howard biopic in development uh warren Beatty started in the 1970s wanting to do one and he spent half a lifetime trying to make it happen um he nearly did it with spielberg um in the early 80s and then there was a brian de palmer and nicholas cage howard hughes yes. films. good idea oh my god uh with nicholas cage playing dual roles yeah. wow uh, <laughs> catherine hepburn uh, <laughs> his, i'd watch that his hepburn is great <laughs> no there was a guy called clifford irving who he did a big scam about um writing uh, or having access to howard hughes's autobiography and so he was trying to sell this and when howard hughes was reclusive he didn't come out and say that's not mine and so right. it was this huge news story and it put Became a big scandal. So, yeah, Brian De Palma was going to make that film with Cage playing both roles. I love that. That never Phenomenal. happened. Phenomenal. Uh, Johnny, that was late 90s. Johnny Depp nearly starred in one around that same time. I think Johnny Depp would have made a very good Howard Hughes. I can totally see him in the role. Well, yeah, because he specialises in sort of a little bit out there characters, doesn't he? So, yeah, I reckon he'd be great. Yeah, and he looks good with the pencil moustache. Mm. Edward, uh, Edward well, gave us that. Oh, yeah, but then... Mordecai, also, he has a pencil moustache in there. Have you ever seen Mordecai? No. Don't! No. Oh, well, we could do it. I mean, we should I mean, do it. It would be painful, though, it's wouldn't it? It's such a bewildering film. <laughs> I remember being in a, in a packed screening. I think they only screened it once, Mordecai, and... Uh, and I just read, like, every critic in the business was crammed into this one room and we all watched it. And it was, I've just never seen people, it was like a bomb had gone off. People were just sort of walking out going, what the fuck was that? That, what did we just <laughs> see? It was like, you just felt people like the walking dead just stumbling <laughs> out going, did we just, did Johnny Depp make that? Um, Milos Foreman worked on a Howard Hughes film with Edward Norton. Again, I can see Norton doing Howard Hughes. Uh, but I think the most interesting nearly happened uh, uh, project was Christopher Nolan. He developed two different Howard Hughes movies oh. in two different decades. And this is fascinating because Jim Carrey was going to be his Howard Hughes. Wow. And uh, Nolan was going to tell it in a non-linear way. Right. Unusual for him. Um, uh, but Jim Carrey, th- there's interviews with both of them over the years talking about this project, which I didn't really know much about. Jim Carrey in 2002 said, in certain ways, I probably am Howard Hughes. And obviously we know that Jim Carrey has had all kinds of issues in his life and he's a very complicated character. Um, and so I think the casting would have been perfect yep um jim carrey uh said a year later um the howard hughes story is citizen came to me he said it's trying to figure out what was missing from this man's life um so they were going to write uh, they were going to make a movie based on a book by richard hack which was just letters memos court files fbi files that got into his mind uh, nolan kept saying we're not making a biopic uh they would meet Every few months, over a course of years, he, uh, he said Kerry was born to play Howard Hughes, and they were just going to try and capture these really unique aspects of this extraordinary character. But then um, the Aviator came along and sort of scuppered that. Mm. But um, Nolan has spent years on this, and so he said, "I've used it all." The strange billionaire driven by dark influences—that's Batman Begins. Mm. He said, "There's a lot of Howard Hughes in Bruce Wayne," yep. and then The Dark Knight Rises. He's locked away, self-imposed isolation. He's got a beard. He's walking around with a cane. Howard Hughes is Bruce Wayne all the way through this trilogy. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Nolan calls it one of the best scripts he's ever written. He was in love with this script that he'd come up with, and then obviously The Aviator came out, and um, Oppenheimer now means that uh, he's unlikely to do it. I think this is, you know, how he jumps genres. He's like, he wants to try every genre, and I think this is his biopic, and I don't think he's ever, well, he's certainly not going to do the Howard Hughes one. I know all this because I don't know whether I mentioned I was in Los Angeles, mm. and um, I sat down with Christopher Nolan. I didn't know that, no. Mm. 
but he tried again um, a decade later, around the time of, of Dark Knight Rises, on a new iteration based on a different book called Citizen Hughes, which was much more about the, the later life of Howard Hughes. And it was from some a series of memos, secret memos that leaked after a robbery uh, of Howard Hughes. And... Um, Again, something kept coming along each time. So this time, Warren Beatty finally made his Howard Hughes film in 2016. Did he? Not a young man. Yeah. What? A star-studded cast. Um, What's it called? Oh, I've forgotten what it's called. I mean, it doesn't matter. Did he get a release? He got released. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> no. Um, who's... Is it Dick Tracy? <laughs> yes. I think it might have been the last film he made. Do you want do we tell you what it... What, what it oh, it's fine. I, 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 I mean, I don't doubt that this is true, Chris. I'm not calling you a liar. I wouldn't come here and do that. We were Rules friends. don't apply in 2016. And, yeah, really good cast. Lily Collins, um, Paul Savino, uh, this, uh, Alden Ehrenreich is, is the main guy um, oh, in yeah. it. Matthew Broderick, Martin Sheen, Candice Bergen, um, Annette Benning, obviously. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just bizarre because he's about twice the age of how to use in some of these scenes. Wow. Uh, but so that meant that it, it was scuppered again. But he said he used some of the stuff he'd written in um, uh, Inception. OK, yeah, I bet he did. I love the dream within a, the dream within a dream within a dream sequence. I think he was. He said that trying to get inside Howard Hughes's mind was sort of got him thinking yeah. about trying to get inside someone else's mind. Uh, he said he wouldn't rule out making it in the future, but it's been a very frustrating uh, experience for him. So what we're talking about today started out as a Michael Mann picture. Uh, based on a 1993 non-fiction book, uh, Howard Hughes' The Secret Life by Charles Hyam. Michael Mann. Do we want to see the Michael Mann version of this? Uh, On digital, it'll be, wouldn't it, by this point? Is it it Miami Vice, Michael Mann, or Heat, Michael Mann, who's making it? Because they're very, very different filmmakers. I think it's Miami Vice. No, No, they're not. I'm good. (laughs) Uh, John Logan wrote the script. This is John Logan, who wrote Gladiator, which we might have talked about recently. Uh, Any Given Sunday and The Last Samurai. Mm. Bond as well, didn't he? He did a Bond. He did Skyfall? Yeah, uh, he spent four years writing this, and the only person he said who read every draft of the script was Leonardo Nolan. DiCaprio. <laughs> I went, That's mine. Uh, who said there's, he got obsessed with it? He said there's no genius without obsession, or compulsion. That fed into Howard Hughes' success, and I think Leo saw some of himself in this character, and so it, it sort of it took flight when they decided to focus uh-huh. on these. Well done. Good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Lovely. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. It's not an accident. Uh, when they focus on these particular 20 years, because uh, I saw DiCaprio... Because no one wants to see the bad shit. That's what <laughs> like. no, <but> Vegas <laughs> Hughes is no fun. <laughs> several of the projects were about the Vegas years, because I think it is fascinating watching yeah. the downfall of this man. Went, oh, no. Yeah, what DiCaprio says, uh, it's not very cinematic, I don't think, <laughs> a man in a projection room. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, man was replaced by Scorsese. Uh, it's Leo that gave him the script. Uh, Scorsese said I know nothing about aviation but don't worry I didn't know anything about boxing when I did Raging Bull nice and and I guess I'm projecting here but I I do think that maybe Hughes's obsession with aviation maybe Scorsese sees a mirror his own obsession with cinema yep uh, which is which is how he could sort of put himself in this film so uh well the only thing i've got is is a bit of preparation stuff dicaprio spent uh days with a a patient who had ocd and he sort of described uh spending time with this person and what they were doing is, is playing mind games with yourself all day just trying to function um and he he said that he sees he he feels that hughes what part of his genius was he was trying to hone his mental energy away from the OCD. And so he achieved these incredible things by just trying to make his brain do something useful rather than being stuck in the rut that we see it get into later in the film. I mean, I I can't speak for people who suffer from OCD, but I certainly do think, like... Any anyone would tell you that, like, when you get inside your own head, the best thing you can do is focus on something else, mm. which is, you know, it just takes takes your mind off that constant internal dialogue. That, you know, we all have, and clearly some people worse than others, but like that constant questioning and tearing up your own mind, you can almost feel like it ripping itself apart in your head, going, "Oh my god!" Trying to answer questions, and then the minute you focus mm. in on something, I, like for me, it's writing and. You know, it just it just everything it quietens the noise. Yep. But he feels like it meant that Hughes, that obsession, that drive, meant he was never satisfied, and so he always was looking for the next woman, the next plane, and 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 sort of the result is is not the happiest of lives. So it cost just over a hundred million dollars. It made just over two hundred million dollars. Not a big hit. Yeah. Not a disaster. 
Fine. It's fine. Yeah. Fine. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, clearly, you know, if we are a if we are a, a, a petri dish of uh, cinema goes, only one of three has seen mm. it. So there you go. <laughs> Surprising. Mm. Cinema lovers. Cinema. Cinema. Cinema viewers. Goers. <laughs> Goers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the movie alright so it kicks off with Howard Hughes young Howard Hughes being washed by his mum while he spells the word quarantine over and over again (laughs) eek how does how does this compare to your mothering skills Vicky (laughs) Um, I'd say we're I like to teach them how to spell Definitely. Sure. I think it's a big word for a little boy. I think that's quite quite impressive. Is it carbolic soap? Is that what it is? Is that a bad... You, I just saw it. I was like, that's old, old-timey soap. Yeah. And, and so is carbolic soap especially bad or especially harmful? Like... Or it? drying? I don't yeah, know. I think it's just drying. Okay. I don't think that's why we don't use it anymore. Yeah. I don't think it was ever toxic. Okay. I, you know, it's a very ominous start. Yeah. She, um, she's telling him that he's not safe from uh, cholera and typhus. She's yeah. drumming this into him. And so I guess the suggestion is that this is where it all begins. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't know any, I don't know anything about Howard Hughes, but like, can't you just suffer from OCD without having something that's a trigger? Like, or, or do we have to go to pains to say? Agreed. But, but you know, I did try and read up on him where I could. Obviously, it's a huge subject and everyone seems to have written a book about him. But apparently, um, mum bathed him by hand until he was 13. So that's bad and and she did and they say she did instill an intense fear into him of these things well that's why that's why this scene's here then it's not it's almost not not saying oh the ocd thing is a result of this it's showing that he had kind of a weird weird childhood yeah Yeah. and i will drop some things here in here because i feel like the film doesn't actually tell you the whole story about what's happening at any particular time you're having to fit in a lot of blanks and I don't know if it's that Logan and Scorsese saying well everyone knows the Howard Hughes story I definitely don't No, I hope it's not that because if it is is that that's that's too big an assumption on their part but if it is intended to be snapshots of his life and you as a you know an engaged cinema goer uh, will you know you will your your film language is enough to go I get this yeah. I'm on board with this then that's fine but to just to to have just gone people know this that's that's not right well so like uh, Charles Foster Kane like um, Orson Welles uh, both of Howard Hughes's parents died when he was a teenager I think that's interesting potentially important information about him but we're straight into Hollywood 1927 when he's shooting Hell's Angels I've never seen this I wanted to watch it after watching this. I've heard, uh, I've read rather that the um, the the airplane stuff is amazing. Right, and the rest of it's not so much. Yeah, um, couldn't work out the scene where he screens it for people. You know, where people are watching it in the movie, yeah. and everyone sort of sits there and then sort of like doesn't know what to do and then claps. Yeah, there's like a brief pause, and you're like, oh, it's bombed. Yeah, and then people start clapping. It's a standing ovation. You're like, I. I are they doing that to not offend him? But then it goes on to say the film's a hit. It's really it was tricky, a right? Really yeah. confusing sequence of events where, because again, it's this assumption that I think they've made that people know Hell's Angels was this hugely successful, most expensive movie ever made at the time, and then made its money back. Yeah. But watching it without knowing that, I'm like, what am I meant to be taking? Yeah. He's being told that stunts can't be done. He insists they can, making him the Tom Cruise of his time. Hello. Um, but he's already worried about uh, germs and disease at this point. And obviously this is dropped in every every couple of scenes is him just looking worried or being worried about what's around him. We're in the Coconut Grove, a decadent nightclub. Oh, God, do you know what? I was watching this guy... Places, places used to be more fun. It looks amazing. And why, why do we not have places like that now? Why yeah. is everything so boring? <laughs> Life is so boring now. I, if there was a coconut grove in London, you would go. Yes, you would. I remember when I, the first time I went to Las Vegas and all we were looking for was somewhere like that or a cool cigar lounge with a crooner singing and all we could find were dance clubs, uh, nightclubs playing dance music. And it's like, this is Las Vegas. Like, we come here for the old school. Yeah. We can, I can go to a nightclub in Croydon. Yeah. <laughs> what you want is someone to bang on Thriller and then do a choreographed dance <laughs> callback. Um, the, the guy from MGM mocks him. Uh, he gets he drinks a, a milk bottle with the cap still on. Mm. Um, milk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was because I was like, you know, obviously, citizen, like Charles Foster Kane's a lot like me. And I was like, am I going to see myself in Genius Howard Hughes as well? <laughs> And I, and, I, and I was until he didn't have a drink. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, milk in a bar. In a club. If you have a white Russian, at least you pillock. <laughs> what about when that cigarette girl comes over? 
this is such a weird energy like from him like the things he's saying to her I, my note is like do we see that sort of energy again but he does buy a child later on and that's the only other time because he seems a bit um, the thing with Catherine Hepburn it's like they're a bit bowled over by each other they're quite the pair or whatever it is quite the pair of misfits but this energy here where he's like I'm, I'm going to be in my suite and what is it I want to make you happy he doesn't say I want to make you happy whatever he says he says I want to learn what please what pleases you I want that job while he's potentially putting his fingers inside her. Yes! No. Not scared of germs now, are you? Right. Well, we can talk about that towards the end. But I certainly was a bit confused by this because he's gone from someone who's really focused on on the movie industry and being a little bit OCD, and then he's doing this bit. And I was like, is this here? Because you can't ignore it as filmmakers in... 2008 or whenever it was that this came out you can't ignore that you can't make a biopic of howard hughes and not focus in on his that 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 bit bit. the bit buying children bit (laughs) but really you don't want to be telling that story which is why it's given such short shrift here yeah uh well this line came from uh leo dicaprio's conversations with howard hughes's ex-wife terry moore who told him that he actually said this to her Oh, did he? So this is real. So it works, does it? Uh, He spoke to both Terry Moore and... uh, (laughs) If you're a billionaire. (laughs) Specific (laughs) circumstances. Don't try it, Chris. I won't try it. We're fine. (laughs) He spoke to both Terry Moore and Jane Russell, uh, and uh, he he wanted to get a sense of why women liked him, apart from being a billionaire. No other reason. Uh, And they said they... They both said they saw him as a lost child, and they had sympathy and empathy for him and wanted to take care of him. And that's what a lot of women, apart from the money, seem to want to do with how. What a sexy combo that is. Billions of dollars and you're a child. It's Carolina Hearn, Mrs. Merton joke to Debbie McGee. What made you fall in love with 75-year-old millionaire Paul Daniels? (laughs) So back to Hell's Angels. Uh, He's going over schedule and over budget. Um, uh, There's some cracking footage of Howard Hughes hanging out of a plane, shooting stuff in the sky. Uh, It was costing $2 million at the time, uh, which was a lot of money. And then Howard Hughes... It's later. Yeah, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. Uh, Then later, uh, he's watching the jazz singer. He realised talking of the thing so they're going to reshoot the whole movie for sound I, I I genuinely laughed out loud I think that's the only time in this film that I just pissed myself the yeah. idea that he's just been told the way they set it up and the yeah, punchline is great and William Randolph Hearst actually just another another sort of uh, He's, he saw the talkies coming as well and he was the one that got in front of that. The two of them were sort of pioneers on that front. But yeah, he spends an additional £1.7 reshooting the film. So this film uh, took four years to make. It cost $4 million to, to make and uh, the biggest film before then it cost $1 million. Right. So it's almost like Scorsese is coming off the back of Gangs of New York. Do you remember what the scandal about how much that was costing? So this is almost like he's he's almost dealing with in looking in himself in the mirror over what he's done when he's mm. dealing with this this scandalous budget. I certainly remember it was one of the first premiere parties, and they don't do not do them like this anymore. But when Gangs in New York came out, it was one of the first premiere parties I went to. I was working at MTV at the time, and. Um, and they'd basically taken a nightclub in London, but one of the huge old Leicester Square nightclubs. I don't think it's there anymore. And they just rebuilt old New York in it, like an immersive experience, like wow. a, a, in detail and covering everything. Like you were in wow. old New York and you just walked around and like there were people in costumes serving you drinks and Oof, everything. It was, it was phenomenal. But again, they, the studios just don't spend that kind of money on premiere parties. No, they don't. Because it's all built in because it's fucking Avengers. <laughs> you, 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 you can, oops. You can attend the party over Zoom. <laughs> uh, speaking of parties, Howard Hughes shows up to the premiere with Gene Harlow, played by... Gwen Stefani! <laughs> weird. This is weird for me. She looks great, though. She, she looks, looks like Gene Harlow. Yeah, but so do lots of people. Well, like. do you want to know how she was cast? I'd on. love to know. Uh, Marty... I was going to call him Marty McFly. Martin Scorsese uh, saw her face on a billboard right. and made a phone call. There's my girl. OK, fine. <laughs> That's my Gene very, Harlow. Very Howard Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it can't be love because now Howard Hughes is flying a seaplane to meet Catherine Hepburn on a beach and invite her for a game of golf. <laughs> the tone of this movie is all over the place. The structure is all over the place. Yeah. It's fine. You're in it. It is quite an immersive experience, isn't it? You have to like give yourself over to it. But I found that, hello, let's have some golf. I just, it's all very heightened, isn't it? The the situations, the the colours in the film, the performances. It's a strange concoction. There was a moment where I was watching DiCaprio, watching Cate Blanchett perform as Catherine Hepburn, and I swear I was like, 
you're actually Leonardo DiCaprio in this moment going, the fuck yeah, is going on? This woman's going to win an Oscar. <laughs> Better watch myself here. I think there's a little bit where you sort of go, you're not, you're not in character now. You're going... Is this all right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what, are we, are we, is Marty going to say something? Is he going to call cut and have a word? Because what is happening uh, yeah. here? I, I'm trying to find what... I was trying to find out what was happening. And Kate Blanchett at the time said, I didn't want this to be a burlesque cabaret act. <laughs> I think that's what they got. It's just... I, I've never been so at odds with with public opinion <laughs> as I was with this. I found it... I like Kate Blanchett very much. Mm. So jarring. Incredibly annoying. Difficult to watch, mm. and then it's like give her an Oscar. I mean, I, I don't find, understand. I, I, I sometimes well, it's, it's, it's an actress playing a Hollywood icon. It's like okay. uh, no, that's just, just to pull back the curtain on the Oscars, as you well know, I'm sure. <laughs> it's like it's that whole thing, isn't it? Of like Hollywood loves rewarding films and actors that's who are playing Hollywood. Yeah. A goal, something about Hollywood, you get an Oscar. Yeah. But Catherine will, Hepburn, it's like do, of course. Do you, I mean, do you find Catherine Hepburn annoying sometimes? sometimes yes, she's, she's quite hot, jarring. She is quite difficult to watch sometimes, yeah. I think. And it's just hard when she's then brought back to life kind mm. of thing with a woman that you her face is so recognisable anyway. Yeah. It's very yeah. difficult. Okay, good. I'm, I'm very pleased. I was quite worried coming into this that you were both going to say, oh, she's great. Nope. I love it when we're on the same page. <laughs> uh, I wonder but- how many other people are, though, because it is that thing. You go, she won an Oscar, so done. Yes. Good. And like, I wonder how many people go, oh, I don't get it, but I can't say. <laughs> Oscar. Um, there's lots of plane chat now, but that's about as interesting to me as car chat. Do we need to talk much about planes? He no. wants to fly above the weather at 20,000 feet and he wants to buy TWA. Great. Let's meet Jude Law as Errol Flynn. Again, oh. I found that jarring. No, <laughs> yep. I liked I no. liked. Hey, save. I admit, no. Shut up. Do you know why I liked it? Because he looks... Incredible! Oh, of course he does. He yeah. looks like possibly one of the one of the best moments he's looked. But in the film. thing is, like, how would he I mean, use granted, his LCD? the holiday he has glasses. Oh, so sound the alarm. Listen to the holiday episode. <laughs> Gosh, that's. And like, what is on Howard Hughes's plate with the steak? Are they sweets or are they pills? They're peas. Peas. They're blue. So, yes, blue peas. Uh, are they blue there? Okay, they're blue twice. So I think that is Scorsese because because obviously the peas later with the senator are blue. Yes. Um, and I thought maybe they'd made blue peas to fuck him up because obviously that guy is trying to mess with him. Yeah. But no, I guess what's happening there is Scorsese is showing us what these peas look like to him, to Howard Hughes. Okay. He sees them as blue. Okay. That's what's going on in his mind. Oh, I see. No, it's not very clear. Yeah. And I wasn't sure I was going to ask the question, but if there's two scenes with blue peas in, <laughs> that's what must be going on. This I is thought, what Howard yeah. Hughes sees. I thought it was like his medicine and it's like, here's your medicine. Or he was like, smarties, because mm. I'll have my steak. 12 peas, my... by the way. He orders 12 peas. Yeah. When Errol Flynn touches Eats them. Eats his that, peas, it's, yeah. I'm, I, like, the look on his face. I was, I was with him there. That's a really good moment from DiCaprio. Yes, brilliant. It's like, you're just like... And that she can sense it as well. Like, yeah. She seems to be quite on the make a bit here. Like She's like... She seems to be on his case, but then she recognises that if she gets him out of that situation and she shows him that kinship of, like, I can see this is a bit of a thing for you, but I won't judge you yeah. about it. They'll be... Bonded. Yeah, I feel like she that she sees a kindred spirit in him, in that maybe neither of them fit in. They're both characters in different ways when they're on the ground, and so up in the air. I think Howard Hughes. It's I think what they're trying to tell us is he only feels himself when he's away from the earth because he can't be around Did people. Did you not just so... reach around, cheeky yeah. bastard? It's, but it's this, a... is, this is the thing. So this scene in the plane. I swear, if you weren't going, well, this is Scorsese, and and that's Leonardo DiCaprio as Howard Hughes, and that's Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn, you'd go. Ugh, I've seen this a million times. Oh my god! So this many is times. such a cliche. This is how scene. you fly a plane. I just reach yeah. around yeah. you right now, and it's yeah. just like you're like unreal. I'm like, have I watched like a rom com? Take <laughs> take the situ out of this, and you are going. This is like a Netflix romantic <laughs> well, it's, comedy. It's it's the Titanic scene, but with a vibrating wheel. <laughs> uh, but also, I that can makes see, it better. <laughs> I can see the attraction though in him. That it's a, a guy that can just do that is yeah. exciting. Yeah. Uh, and so we're in 1935 now and it's this airspeed attempt. Um, and I think they nail it during this intense flying sequence where he runs out of fuel and nearly crashes and yeah. he ends up in the beat field. Yeah, it's great. And they say, there goes our meal ticket. That's an imp- the staff, the crew. That's an important distinction. Mm. They're not like, oh, Howard. It's yeah. like, if he dies, no we're all done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate and Hepburn warns him about fame now. I yeah. thought he's pretty, isn't he pretty famous? Didn't we, we don't know, do we? <laughs> yeah, but not as famous as he's going to be if he's the <clears throat> fastest man on the planet. And no. she's, she, I, But is, is she nervous for him or nervous for herself? And hey, how Alex, she, people no. can be more than one thing. Right. <laughs> 
so it's both. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> That's all it is. It's both, yeah. Has that got a jingle now? Because I'm not happy about that. I, I don't like the fact it's got its own jingle. People can be more than one thing. So it's both. Uh, <laughs> oh, and more than both. Lots of things. Many, many things people can be. So loads. He fears he's losing his mind here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It that is... was so cute. <laughs> It, it, oh, is Howard Hughes a guy that you th- are, that you think would have this conversation with a woman about his feelings and fears? I just don't get that from him. I didn't buy this scene at oh, all. Yeah, it's quite sweet. I think it's sure, but it's, like... it feels like a modern conversation that we'd have now. But this bloke yeah. back then, it's like, oh, I'm really it's fine. very on the nose. He's like, I see things that aren't there. But it's like, okay, is there another more subtle way of saying that? Don't know. So he goes around the world in four days and makes Asian history in a, in a plane. And then we meet Alec Baldwin as Pan Am boss Trip. Who <laughs> ain't happy that she's bought TWA. <laughs> it's such, I love him, but it is odd casting because, I don't know. There, it's something about the size of him. I don't know what it is. He's it, like, I'm here to be bad. Is it because of 30 Rock? Or it's just all oh, the shadow it was looming mm. long. No, you're right, though. It's similar, isn't it, to what they play Jack up in 30 yeah. Rock? Yeah. 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 Uh, he gets social anxiety. It's, it's like a series of vignettes, this. It doesn't flow properly. He's suddenly getting social anxiety at a party with Kate, where he meets Ava Gardner. Now, so you've got Kate Beckinsale, Ava Gardner. You've got Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn. I never once felt like I was watching these know. characters on screen. No. I felt like I was watching these actors pretending to be them. It's really it doesn't work, does it? Dislocating. And I'm, yeah. I think the same with DiCaprio. I think the, as good an actor as he is, I never got lost and thought I was watching Howard Hughes. Oh, that's interesting. I disagree with that one. I think uh, I think he inhabits a character. But we'll come to that. He's still little boy DiCaprio. He looks a bit young throughout this. He uh, always looks young. Yeah, well, not in The Revenant. He looked grizzled in The Revenant. He's yeah, it's and, hard he, and even but... in even in Wolf of Wall Street, I think the last sort of like the last sort of sort of seven or eight years, he certainly looks older. But in this, he does. It's sort of like how old is he meant to be? Yes. Because Kate Blanchett looks older than him. Quite a well, bit, they yeah. mess around with the timeline as well. Mm. I, I, trying to do my research, I feel like they really bugger around with it in a way that's kind of cheating. But um, the next scene, he's washing his hands with his special soap and, and a disabled gentleman exits the stall and, and wants help and he freezes and won't hand the man a towel. Yep. It's quite a telling scene, that. It's quite a painful scene to watch. And then we're at the Hepburn estate. What do you make of this scene where he's meeting Catherine Hepburn's family? I enjoyed I it. it. I loved yeah. it. I loved okay. him having a go at them because they are awful. They're fucking awful. Absolutely awful. If and I, I felt proud of I was of him a relative of Catherine out. Hepburn and I watched this. I'm like, that's my great grandma there. Like, Why are they made to look like a fucking hun? <laughs> Wow. They are horrendous. It's that family. It's that kind of money that you know. I bang on about the uh, the other family in succession. The yeah, oh, the, uh, the, the, the Pierce yes. family. Yeah, yeah. That old money. When he says you've never worried about money because you've got it, and they're like, "What did you say to me?" And it's it's like, brilliant. Uh, but that moment is a real fist pumping moment because he said it, and it's like some of us choose to yeah. work for a living, and you're like, "Boss, take that, you yeah. fucking dickheads, scumbag, fuckface, dickhead, asshole." Um, or, or you know, even though he was you... born, even though he was born with money, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he is he is working yeah. exceptionally hard. However, yeah. you choose to react. By the way, you don't have to react. It's <laughs> completely up to you. Uh, but it's nice seeing him. He, he's only comfortable when he's describing his plane, yeah. and obviously they're not having any of it. Um, that ex-husband as well. Oh, I hate him. Yeah, oh, that over-friendly ex-husband, oh. <laughs> the smiling face of evil. But yeah, 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 like grinning and being like, no one's going to call me out for like literally saying horrible things to you. Mm. It's brilliant. Uh, we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Hercules. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. (laughs) 
And we're back. And Howard Hughes wants to build a 200-ton plane to carry everything to war. He's going to call it Hercules. At the same time, he's designing a bra for Jane Russell. <laughs> so <laughs> weird. Uh, but it's all engineering. I guess it's, I guess it's all engineering to him. He's not seeing a difference in these two things. Yes. But like you just said, it's a series of vignettes. It's like this bra scene with the MPA is it's like about cleavage where he's going, look at this. It's exactly the same as this cleavage and this cleavage. And you're mm. like... All right, and it's a fun scene, but what relevance does it have to anything else no. in the film? I don't no. know what you're supposed to think of it. I didn't find it funny. It goes on forever, and then yeah, they think the film thinks it's really funny, do, doesn't yeah, it? When really he like when bored, he, he like, ho, 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 ho. compare the the memories, and yeah. he passes Ian Holm the calipers, and Ian Holm's like all befuddled and like, yeah. oh, this isn't what I signed up for, and everyone's like, ha ha, belly laugh, not no, really, no, no. <laughs> Um, he wants to sell the Hercules to the military, plies them with women and booze. That's going to come back. Um, but they've got a wedding to plan. Um, he's also working on a spy plane called the Constellation. I found the plane stuff quite confusing, actually. I didn't know which plane he was in at what point. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing uh, Brett Spiner uh, turn up there. But again, I didn't understand because he built a spy plane, right? Yes. And he's like, you know, I don't think his illness has ever really gone into it in a great uh, amount of detail, but the bit where he's pointing to the thing on his lapel. Yeah, I thought he was he was a spy and he was filming the conversation, or it was a little oh, microphone no, recording the conversation. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I got so lost at points in this movie. <laughs> um, Kate Hepburn says, "I've met someone, I've fallen in love, and I'm moving out." Uh, she believes they're two alike, and so in response, uh, he burns his clothes while he's naked, and then he calls his sister in the middle of the night, demanding more clothes. He's, he's just very confused at this point in the film angry and confused um and he's now testing starlets um he's buying a child to groom her a 15 year old girl uh, he wants to know if she's got any surgery or scars oh york <laughs> she's going to be signed to contract with him and so you're seeing this dark evil side of the man now yeah um it's almost too dark to come back from as well. Yeah. Because she's 15. Yeah. And she has no nervousness about saying when they go for dinner and she's like, oh, I'm finishing school because how I think this is important. So she hasn't been briefed to say, could we not mention that you're still of school age? It's mm. like, it's not a problem. But they're all smiling around the table. This is, this is Hollywood. You know, we're addressing what was going on in yeah. Hollywood at this time and actually as we've learned, still goes on to yeah. this day with these people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, he's evil, basically. Yeah, yeah it's dark. It's um, dark shit. So uh, he lets Pan Am know that he's planning to fly the Atlantic with TWA, uh, the, the airline, and so he's given away their entire post-war strategy. Um, and I think he's frustrated with himself, so he goes and cleans his hands so much that they bleed. Um... <laughs> more things are happening um he gets william defoe um to stop a story about Catherine hepburn and spencer tracy getting into the press because spencer tracy was married when they had an affair so it suggests that he's there is love in him and he does yeah. have love for Catherine hepburn uh, that's what's there that's there for but he's seeing ava gardner his teenager girlfriend crashes into <laughs> her the press photographed the whole thing and i think that's we're getting a sense of him losing control now because he's no longer controlling the narrative that he was able to earlier in the film with his lovers and, and, and what he's doing. I didn't bother to check, but are those that, that sort of where it flashes up on the still of, uh, of Ava Gardner's hand in front of the, uh, the camera? Is that a real photograph somewhere? Google it. Right. Yeah, it did look. I, I meant to look it yeah, up because it's a really good shot. I was doing Citizen Kane this week, so I didn't have a lot of time left <laughs> for the aviator, but I'll, I'll, I'll Google it, sure. So he refuses <laughs> He refuses to back down um, over film issues and planes issues happening. He's telling other people they're cracking up. He's doing a lot of projecting here. Yeah. Um, he starts repeating himself, though. Show me all the blueprints. Show me all the blueprints. Show me all the blueprints. And he's spelling out quarantine again. He's losing his hearing. He's cracking up. So we cut to July the 7th, 1946. Uh, this XF-11 test flight. Um, he's going to break the land speed record or the, the the record in the sky he's going faster and higher than ground control want him to uh, they call him in after an hour and 45 minutes but he loses his engine he loses altitude and he goes down mm. and it's spectacular the plane fucking amazing yeah it's good because i was getting bored to be honest yep. and it's been quite it's been a very sort of not sonorous but yeah very immersive kind of sleepy experience we're like oh I'm back in old timey Hollywood and then you get modern stuff with him being chucked around like a human being would and then the blood splatter on the the window of the, the sorry the roof thing of the cockpit yeah. just, it's all good yeah 
I mean, and this must have really happened. You can't just make something like this up. So Howard Hughes genuinely he crashed did crash, in, yeah. into Hollywood. Yeah, that's. I mean, this this was a big turning point in his life because he was in pain for the rest of his life. Um, it messed him up. Yeah, he's, he's, that's why he's got, you know he's walking with the cane, mm. not the Citizen Kane, yep. the actual cane. Yep. That was a little callback. He, uh, he was in real life. He became addicted to painkillers. Yeah, yeah, painkillers. Mm. So it was sort of downhill from that moment. The plane burns and breaks up, and so does he. We literally see DiCaprio on fire. Yep. Yeah, fuck a problem. <laughs> That is so mad. So in response, the Aviation Board ground his fleet. Air Force cancels the contract on the Hercules. Uh, They've run out of money to finish the Hercules, but he says, build it. Didn't care. Um, He's given a choice. You can be bankrupted by your airline or, 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 or... bankrupted by your big plane or bankrupted by your big airline. Again, it's like Kane, though. He doesn't care. Mm. It just keeps ploughing ahead. Uh, Ava Gardner finds microphones under his bed. Uh, he's got someone following her. He needs to know where she is at all times. I'll take out all the bugs. <laughs> Go back. What did you say? <laughs> and this was him in, in real life. He was he was incredibly insecure. He wanted multiple girlfriends and he wanted to control them all. He sometimes had multiple girlfriends staying in different rooms in the same hotel. Okay. Bad planning. Uh, Greedy. That's what brought him down. Bad planning. (laughs) He always will. The FBI come for his stuff. And then uh, February 12th, 1947, he's meeting with Senator Brewster, played by Alan Alder. Oh, he's so good. He's amazing, yeah. Yeah. He's brilliant in this. He can do do villainous very easily, Alan Alder, for such a likeable character. Yeah. Sinister. Tower Uh, heist. Oh, he's so good in that. Uh, he marks a, a glass, a drinking glass with a fingerprint before Howard Hughes enters the room. So yeah. I guess, A, this is telling us what kind of a man he is, but also how this is just common knowledge amongst yeah. people that how you can get into his head mm. is by doing this. Um, that fish looks disgusting as well. It doesn't, it doesn't. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It looks a bit... They, 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 that's like, why they ask in restaurants, do you want the head on or head off? Yeah. I you don't know. mind having the head on. Really? I just, if it's, yeah. Do you want to be made it looked look... at by your meal? They go, the eye goes, do you know what, if you, you're vegan, you don't no, need to know. No, tell me. Well, if it's been grilled, then the eye just like gets blown, so you you, you can't see <laughs> the... <laughs> So you wow. can't see the pupil anymore. Okay. So it's not that bad. You can see where the eye would be, though. Oh, yeah, it's in there, but right. it's all crispy. Mm. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so Bruce has obviously done a deal with Pan Am. Uh, he wants Pan Am to maintain this monopoly of these uh, transatlantic flights. And this is where the difficulty is for me, because I think American people have this, our capitalism is equivalent to and associated with bravery and not everybody feels like that so this hero's thing of like there can't just be one airline that goes across the Atlantic and we're supposed to go oh my god you're fighting for me <laughs> and it just doesn't fighting trans- against communism yeah basically and it just doesn't work for me British audience it's like it's just capitalism and that's fine I'm not having a go at capitalism but you don't necessarily get to step into this I'm a fucking hero because of this which is this, the beat of all these courtroom press scenes whatever it is mm. is I will go there because no one else can and th- and you're welcome. I didn't read it. I didn't read it as well. I mean, I don't disagree that that is the beat. But for me, it's the idea that this uh, there's corruption on their end in terms of Pan Am and the senator being in bed together. And Howard Hughes is a good person in these scenes. You are yeah. like it's one of the moments where you are behind him because what they've done is dishonest, and they're trying to portray themselves as these great good people and him as the villain, and you know the truth is that it's all been uh, twisted to turn him into this villain, yes. and you want truth to prevail. So I'm, I'm more interested in the, in the idea that you're championing him as he wants the truth, and he, he tells it bluntly, and I think there are great moments in this hearing where they go, did you do this? And he's like, yeah, I did that, yeah, but he's that's good at that. yeah. how it works. Yes. So don't don't try and say to me, like, did you bribe these people? It's like, I, I know you know that's how the airline industry yeah. works. So until you pass a law that says that's not how it works, I'm going to continue so to do that. boldly honest, bold, B-A-L-D. Like, he's just like, no, I didn't. I know the planes didn't fly, but he's not do, He's not trying to beseech you. He's just like, statement mm. of fact, and that's how it's, it goes. But was also, he a wall profiteer? Well, I suppose it's a bit of an elastic term, isn't it? Because mm. yes, but mm. also everyone was doing it. So is that that bad? So it's like the, and that snapshot of time of like, you did a bad thing at a terrible time becomes more malleable with a bit of distance. So we well, probably don't never, think it's that bad. The film never suggests that he's doing it for profit. The film suggests that he's doing this out of honour and wanting to help the war. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, goes, it goes to great ends where he says, 
all these other people did exactly the same as me. We yeah. built planes that were never used because yes. the war ended. So, you know, why am I? Why are you using this as like? You are a villain mm. when you haven't called anyone else in front of the Senate. Which doesn't necessarily make you not a villain. It mm. just means they haven't called all the other villains exactly. in. Uh, and we cut to him breaking down in his screening room um, as the senator goes after him in public. And so the OCD is sort of dominating him here. But, you know, doing my, doing my reading around it, this is 1947. This incident with the screening room where he was in there for weeks was 1958 where that happened, where he was eating only chocolate bars and drinking only milk and he had all the Kleenex around him and he was constantly rearranging stuff and stacking stuff. No, it, I, I read around it because you're like, was he just like, he just mm. watched a movie surrounded mm-hmm. by Kleenex tissue, yeah. eating chocolates. It's for the germs. Mm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But they said there's nothing about it being any sort of like, <laughs> but what would you do? <laughs> with the tissue? No, oh, screen- with all that time. Shut in a screening room just watching movies. What would I do or what would you... <laughs> what would someone do? Let's keep it vague. You don't have to make everything a personal question. No, I'd have a, a nap. Right. But he didn't bathe or cut his hair or his nails for weeks. They were saying that maybe they felt like he, he was in pain when he <clears throat> cut his nails or hair. Yeah. Um, I think it's called, what, allodynia. Um, is, is, is this that stimuli gives you... I find that, yeah, I finally got the joke in The Simpsons as well when uh, Mr. Burns builds the casino and he's got the beard and the long fingernails. And he goes, he's built the plane. <laughs> he says to Smithers, I've built my plane. I call it the Spruce Goose yeah. and it's this little model plane. And <laughs> he goes, get in, Smithers. <laughs> and Smithers goes, but sir, it's just a model. And Mr. Burns pulls a gun and goes, get in. <laughs> This is brilliant. Great Simpsons show. Uh, done. Uh, it, it's done better visually. <laughs> so Kate comes to see him and um, that doesn't go well. And then we cut to him and it's gone. It's getting even worse now. Um, he's sort of repeating himself. He's pissing in bottles. Uh, this is all <clears throat> This is all true. But as I say, I believe this all happened a decade later. And, and then he would be writing. He would spend a lot of his time writing memos in there is the other thing he would do. These memos that I mentioned earlier that, that have been put in books and were going to be used to make films. And the memos would just be pages. You know, page, it's like John Doe in Seven. And all it would be about was germs, just writing about these germs. And, and DiCaprio said he read those over and over again to try and get in the zone, to try and get in that headspace. Uh, Pan Am Brewster shows up trying to buy uh, TWA and negotiates through the door and make no, a... trip shows up. Trip uh, makes a bunch of... Um, Threats about taking everything public, Smokes making through the bankrupt. keyhole. <laughs> yeah, uh, he says he could spare him all that, and the crowds—the crowds that will come with a hearing because he knows that'll get inside his head. But a bit like Kane, he won't be blackmailed. Uh, Howard Hughes ain't having it, and so Ava Gardner shows up, and he's even even worse shape here. But she shaves him and cleans him and dresses him, and then the hearings, 1947, as I say. Ten years before, I believe this stuff happened. Right. So uh, Hughes makes a, he's going to make a statement, but then he's like, "No, I'm going to speak from the heart." That's always a good moment in a oh, film. A mm, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he attacks them. He calls it a circus. He calls out this Pan Am conspiracy. He brings up the aviation bill that he claims Pan Am wrote, and he's absolutely nailing it here. And I guess this is all true because these hearings are out. You know, you can watch them on YouTube, and this is what DiCaprio was watching. And, and he says it's one of the only times I ever saw the real him because he's genuinely angry in these moments, in these videos. And so I got a sense of who, because he never really let his guard down that often in public. And so it was very helpful for his performance. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they question why he received $56 million for planes that they, he never delivered. But he said he put his own money into all that. And as you said, Alex, you know, he explained that I'm not the only one. Everyone's doing this. And then the hearings are over. The airline bill's defeated in the Senate and TWA will fly everywhere. A Yay. victory for American capitalism, Vicky. Yay. I'm so stoked. Uh, neither airline exists anymore, do they? TWA no. and Panamagon. Yeah, but they were around when we were younger. Yeah, they were. It's quite recent that they've gone out of business. But um, yeah, uh, we cut to 47 of November and he's flying the Hercules, also known as the Spruce Goose. Yeah. I didn't realise that's because it's the, it the joke about it being made of wood. Mm. The spruce, but spruce is not the wood they used. Bit of trivia for you. Balsa. <laughs> uh, largest plane ever built. Um, as ever, he's flying himself. He makes that funny threat about I'll leave the country and never come back if it doesn't fly. I mean, it's a good headline, isn't it? Um, didn't you promise to leave the podcast if Deep Impact beat Armageddon, Alex? <laughs> I think I did, you I think know. you did, yeah. yeah. I nearly did leave as Gosh. well. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes off. Um, a bit. A bit. 
enough that he doesn't have to leave the country. Yeah. Uh, read the small print, Vicky. I don't have to leave the country. Uh, it's that- great, though, isn't it? This sequence of the hearing and him being like, fuck you, I'm, TWA's going to fly, and then the, play, the, the intercut in between the two, it's like two fist pump moments buttoned together it's great yeah, lovely stuff uh, and now he wants to utilise jet airplanes he's always he's a man who's always looking ahead not, that can... I'm, not I'm calling out Scorsese but there's a terrible cut here because if I notice it it's really bad as he walks up to um, John there C. Riley and um, the other dude and he puts his arms around them he's not wearing a hat and then it cuts to him talking he's got his hat on I was like continuity corner honestly there you go thank you I've You're been welcome. looking for my own corner <laughs> <laughs> Less interesting corner. <laughs> wait, wait, we've skipped over something. Oh, he put in $6 billion of his own money into the project, yes, in 1946. Yeah. That's equivalent to $93 billion today. So there you go, $6 billion. That is a fair it's whack. A, a chunk That's of a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's why inflation corner's good. Yeah, I'm when not, it's right and I when I do it. it. Didn't you look like the hat fact? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind it. <laughs> I'm just I'm really floating continuity <laughs> corner now. Oh god, now it's got a name. Uh, more paranoia now. The way of the future. The way of the future. The way of the future. He's repeating stuff. He has a flashback to his mum saying, "You are not safe." And then the darkness envelopes him, like like at the start, and 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 that's it for Howard Hughes. <laughs> that's the film. Um, apparently, <laughs> that's our film, guys. <laughs> apparently, he died never really knowing what he had, what was wrong with him. He, he had a phobia of doctors and being treated. And so, I, you know, they think he probably just thought he was insane. He was when, in a terrible state when yeah. he died. He died on a flight um, mid-air. But and, when you're um, that rich, it is a really good lesson. But when you're that ill and you're not rich, then the state at some point intervenes in your business. Mm. And it's quite hard to avoid the state intervening in this country. When you're super, super rich, you can just do what you want. And so a lot of stuff just gets allowed to develop and continue. Because like, especially when Alec Baldwin goes to see him and he's negotiating through the door, in an, any other circumstances, that's not acceptable. Like You just don't get to do that. And you live with these illnesses for that long because his money buys his way without having to deal with it. Or not sorry, deal with it. There's very low but like see a doctor you can just go on phobic of doctors so no but that, that's really that's told so well in the film visually the idea that he's in that room just off a main thoroughfare full yeah. of staff clerks yes. and they're all like busy doing their everyday job yeah. and he's just in this room and they all know he's there and, and they won't like, go in no. yeah because he's rich uh, the only new thing I noticed watching it this time was I, the first time I watched it I recognised in the first party scene Rufus Wainwright's the singer yeah big fan of him now, in the 20 years since, I know what Martha Wainwright looks like. She's singing in the third party scene in this film. Is she? And then, so I looked up in the middle scene, their dad, Luden Wainwright. Really? Yeah. yeah, he's oh, the singer. I who he was. Yeah, that wacky guy. He's yeah. doing sort of wacky. They're so, all very good. They're very talented. It's a very talented family. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's ending on some trivia. Oh, great. That's your thing. So, uh, best scene, Vicky. That crash. Flipping socks. That was excellent. Flipping socks. I've heard that before. New one. What's that? You've not heard it it before. Not a thing. Is it Norbert? She's just mashed two words together. Is it Norbert? If you look into her eyes, when she says things sometimes that don't make any sense, you can see that she's just going, am I going to get away with it? Or are they going to pick me up on it? She didn't know she was going to say flipping socks. I didn't didn't. She's just said it in hopes no one would go... Sorry, what? I really didn't. It is flipping socks, though. <laughs> yeah. And you can't even see me hardly. I know. Terrifi- it's terrifying. Oh, I can just tell. Um, <laughs> Alex, favourite scene? Uh, uh, the intercutting of him winning against Senator Brewster in the hearing with the Hercules taking flight. It's flipping socks, mate. No, no I'm, with, I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in the, 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 the very, very socksy plane crash. <laughs> it is. It's socksy. Uh, most valuable whatever, Alex. Uh, special mention to Alan Alder for being uh, the perfect corrupt senator. Uh, but I, I disagree with what you were saying earlier. DiCaprio. Uh, I mean, honestly, I do genuinely think that man is one of the greatest actors working today. He just, his range, his range is incredible. But seriously, like, considering he's one of the most famous men on the planet, when he plays a character... I am watching that character. I, you know, whether it's a banker, whether it's a guy in the wilderness in the Reverend, whether it's a banker on the Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Wall Street stockbroker, like he just disappears for me into these roles. And again, here I felt the same. I was like, "That's how it used." But you know, you know, after the initial sort of what you 
you, you sort of get you, you, you watch him and then you're like, oh, DiCaprio's playing this guy. And then, but 15 minutes in, that's how it used for me for the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. I just, I just think he's absolutely phenomenal. And unlike Kate Blanchett standing next to him, you just can't see the, the work he's doing. You know, like Johnny Depp's a brilliant actor, but it's like you're going, oh, Johnny Depp's doing that. Mm. With DiCaprio, you're like, that's, he's disappeared. He's gone for me. I how don't Hughes was it. like that, though. He was like, what? What Johnny Depp does. No. Oh. <laughs> That would have been great in this. <laughs> have you seen Mortarkai? I haven't. No, it's great. Uh, Vicky? So it is all... It was, it's first one Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, I, he doesn't disappear for me ever, but it doesn't no. matter because... He's a little boy playing dress-up. I will always watch what he does because it's always interesting and it's always worth it. My real one, you're going to laugh, is the Coconut Grove when Rufus <laughs> Wainwright is playing. Oh, my God. That place. Yeah. Apart mm. from when they do the winter one and there's the... Because that would go in your drink and the bits and I would find that irritating... Mm. But other than that, I want to live in there. Actually, I want to take it away from DiCaprio, one of the greatest actors of our generation, and give it to the Coconut Grove. I, think that's right, I, yeah. I also think that's the best place. It, uh, I ever. mean, Martin Scorsese does do a club night quite well. He does. So. <laughs> he used to do one in East London. <laughs> <laughs> it was an indie night, I think. Yeah, no, I think so, yeah. It was 95 Baggy. to 99, Britpop exclusive. <laughs> Anything either side, no, and only B sides because it wasn't commercial. <laughs> Uh, I'm vinyl. <laughs> I'm going for Sandy Powell. Oh, that's nice. I thought it was slim pickings this week, and I think the costumes in this film are beautiful. Yeah, I want them all. It's a, isn't that a joke? Where if the one thing you say about the film that's good is the costumes, it's probably not a great film. <laughs> love, love the costumes. Yeah, but I'm not disrespectful to costume designers. I respect them all, Alex. So yeah, and no, Sandy Powell is one of the all-time greats. So. I'm a big fan of SP. And. Um, Vicky, what would you change? I'm just looking at my shit change. It's only a little thing. He has this, Howard Hughes has this thing throughout about, I work for a living and I'm going to do, you know, whatever. And But he inherited all his wealth and it's really quickly dealt with in the opening scenes when he's doing the Hells Angels things and he's like, my parents are gone and they, they don't think I'm up to much kind of thing. And I just wish I knew a bit more about how he feels about walking that line between I am an outsider and I work hard and I'm proving myself, but I inherited absolutely Absolutely everything because those two things aren't the same and he seems to walk that quite comfortably or it's just never looked at uh that was it i'm gonna say mine now uh because we shouldn't end on mine uh i would ask <laughs> Kate Bl- the pressure <laughs> what am i gonna do i would ask Kate blanchett and Kate beckinsale and leonardo dicaprio to just take it down a notch just take it, take down, it down a down notch a guys notch, yeah. what are you talking about <laughs> who me <laughs> uh, you're alex. a misfit alex uh right um I I don't I don't know a lot about OCD and I don't know how it works as an illness and I I would have liked the film to handhold me no pun intended into just what the symptoms of this illness are because it just seems to come and go with such a haphazard nature. One scene, he's opening door handles with tissues. The next scene, he's shaking hands with strangers. And I don't understand enough about it. But as a film viewer, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy can't open a door handle without a tissue. Oh, now he, now he, he it's literally in a throng at a hearing, shaking everyone's hand. So I just want a little bit of explanation for my own understanding where I go, oh, but that's why. So just do it early on. Just get it out of the way going, it comes and goes. Just say that. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, fine, fine, it comes and goes. But as it stands, I'm a bit confused watching this going, what does it, what, how does it work? Yeah. So that's my big change. A little bit more explanation for me as a layman. That's a good one. All right. Lay person. Carry on. Go ahead. Oh, I could nearly, nearly got to the end. <laughs> nearly made it. Nearly made it. It was prostitute on Monday and it's lay person. person. To, yep, person. Got it. Right then. That is us done on the aviator. It is time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Uh, right. So these were my choices this week, were they? No, they weren't. Whose choices were they? Vicky, you should let her do the verdict. Sorry, yeah. I even, I winked, I even winked at you there oh so God, that you would need to be quiet. Sort of were, weren't they? I'm what? so sorry. I thought you were winking at me because you've got Indy to see and you like someone say it. God, I'm so sorry. I forgot that these technically were mine. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, then. I'll just go first. 
So, uh, <laughs> so I'm, if I can be completely honest, neither story is like really hitting me between the eyes because fictional-ish rich man is sad. Real rich man is sad. Okay. But Citizen Kane, obviously, for all the ground it broke. And the point being, I do think Leo is very good. And obviously, Orson Welles is very good. But the whole cast in um, Citizen Kane is amazing. And the aviator has got this Catherine Hepburn thing going on that I can't bear. Mm. So it's pretty obvious what's going to win. But just to try and like do the dance a bit and give it some justification, um, and obviously you just can't start a fight with Citizen Kane it's apparently quite good and everybody likes it but I can see why and so obviously Citizen Kane uh, I'll, I'll, I choose so uh, yeah Chris you can go next yeah I mean the best of Martin Scorsese might have had a chance this isn't no. the best of Martin Scorsese so the film that's rightly considered one of the all time greats and one that hasn't really dated in more than 80 years and is so prescient and so vital and so alive, and I'll keep watching it again forever, is Citizen Kane. Uh, I feel like I'm on my own this week. Uh, I thought this was a lot closer for me because I am in awe of Citizen Kane and reading around it and the history of that movie and indeed what it did at the time period, I was like wow, that is incredible to create a modern film language visually on screen, the narrative, the non-linear narrative, all of that. I'm like, God damn, this is an important movie. But I don't like Kane and I've got no sympathy for him. And in The Aviator, I was emotionally engaged with DiCaprio's fate. I cared about him and the the character who was playing, I was like, this is sad that he's going through this illness and at the end it's such a tragic end where he's in that shed all his own and like you say, it fades to black. And I really did struggle with this because I'm like, it looks like I'm being purposefully stupid to go with the aviator. And I, I do stupid enough too often so i'm going with citizen kane it's a brilliant film it's a masterpiece and the aviator while i was more emotionally invested it's got kate blanchett in it as Mm. Catherine hepburn and i just can't truck with that people Mm. i can't truck with that (laughs) so that is three for three on citizen kane i don't read my notes because it actually says the aviator (laughs) Uh, i changed my mind at the last minute how about that but there you go there you go listening to you guys talk about the aviator wow i was closer than i thought so that is us done and obviously one of the greatest films ever made tm citizen kane is our winner this week but don't forget you can have your say on twitter at clashpod is a handle uh, get on there and tell us yeah. whether you agree or disagree how come right on all you wrong. aviator heads out there <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then let's look ahead to next week chris gave a clue on monday's episode oh, it was quadrilogy yeah week but important nah, it's a clue it's important. a clue it is a clue it'll send, it will hopefully direct people to our twitter where they'll be more specific although i reckon people will get it off the back of that uh, I'd say, oh, we've done Alien Aliens. We yeah, have, exactly. Yeah, 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 all right, back in the game. Okay, so what are we doing, Chris? Also, Alien Aliens isn't a quadrilogy. But the four Alien movies is a quadrilogy. Mm. It was the first time I encountered the word quadrilogy when they released the four mm. movies as a box set. It's now more Alien movies. It's called it um, Alien Quadrilogy. We are doing uh, <laughs> the Avengers Saga. <laughs> Here we are. I'm yes, so we excited. are. Avengers! Assemble. So Mark was making a joke. He's like, are you trying to find out who actually does listen to this podcast in the most brutal fashion possible? Why? Because the swing from Citizen Kane. <laughs> I love it. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, people, is... people can be different things. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I like... Give the theme song. People, people can, can be lots of things. I like so Citizen Kane and the Avengers. <laughs> it's things. So both. So all. All. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, it's it's almost obscene as a big swing. But there it is. We are doing Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron next week. And the following week, we are doing Avengers Infinity War versus Avengers Endgame. But we are judging them all together. All four films go into the pot at the end of the next fortnight for the verdict. And do you know what this means? This means that people can get involved for once. So you message us with your favourites and we'll be able to talk about them on the fourth and final show mm. Mm. we can't normally do that just nope. thought of it nope. love, that, love that we're only doing quadrilogies from here on <laughs> in <laughs> quadrilogy
Apologies for everyone. Uh, right, that is it. So your homework for next week is Avengers and Avengers Endgame. Uh, do... <laughs> and Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. This is the first, second oh, one. For God's sake, yes. Yeah, the one that no one really likes. Don't jump to the end. <laughs> we're gonna do the, we're going to do them in chronological order. Are we, though? <laughs> Who knows? Because one of them's time travel, so where is the chronology in that? Okay. I've yeah. really got to go. Yeah. Uh, Chris is walking out. I'll just say uh, thanks for listening. Do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ClashPod. Have a lovely weekend. We're doing Avengers Assemble on Monday. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.